This week's episode is brought to you by the Talk Buster podcast. Every episode, Chris Chipman and a guest reminisce of their time working for Blockbuster. Now, even if you've never worked for a Blockbuster, I guarantee you'll find the stories both hilarious and relatable. One of my personal favorite stories was when he had a guest retelling his time of working at a porn shop the day before Christmas when they were just packed to the gills. So, listen to the Talk Buster podcast on all your favorite platforms today. and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Orc, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? Uh, I'm a little down today. I'll try to pick it back up, but, you know, how are you? Sore. What are you like, sore for? Are you moving or working a lot, or what's up? Uh, I'm starting to feel my age, as bad as that sounds. Things just, they aren't healing as fast as they should, and... My body's reminding me, like, you're not as young as you used to be. You can't do the same things you used to and just be <laughs> fine. I don't like it. I don't like well, age. I realized that a while back when uh, I couldn't sleep on the floor. Like, I remember when I was in high school, I used to go walking around literally at 1 in the morning, and then I'd just, like, sleep on a stone bench by the, the you know, by the school for a while. And I had no problem with that. Like... Uh, I think a year and a half ago, I went to visit my friend in Oregon, and the first night I tried to sleep on his wood floor, and uh, <laughs> it didn't go well. Oh no, no, I don't, I don't like it. Like all of a sudden, just came out like, hey, guess what? You're old. Things you used to do, you can't do anymore. And we're relatively young speaking. It's like, oh god, it only gets worse from here. Let's move on to some happier <laughs> business. Yeah, like uh, thanking the people that give us money so that we can make this podcast week to week and complain about small petty grievances. They are, of course, our wonderful, wonderful patrons. They are Pam Galley, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Reed D, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vahey, Brendan Agnew. And John Vinyls. Hey, now, hey, hey, hey. Sorry, Kevin finally responded to us and said it's pronounced more like just they. Like Kevin they? they. Yeah, um, just they. No he. Okay. But thank you, Kevin, for finally responding. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion and watch me stumble over your name, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. 25 cents an episode means you get early access to all our content, extra content, and best of all, you guarantee we get to keep making this week to week. How long has it been since we did, like, just a standard episode that wasn't a book club or a guest spot or being guests on someone else's thing or, like, it's been a while, right? It feels like a while. Like, I, I'm, I'm sure we've done, like, a normal episode, but it feels like a really long time Maybe it's because I'm mixing up the normal episodes with, like, the book club stuff. So, I don't we're, know. It's we're hard. recording a lot of stuff. We have, I think, we have a lot of guests lately. And, yeah. I don't know where this one's going to fall on the release schedule. It could have been all guests. Or you guys have been listening going, what are they talking about? It's been nothing but them for, like, the last two weeks. Yeah, but for us, it's been a while. So, <laughs> but Speaking just... of uh, things that have been a while, we're dusting off an old chestnut. Gone but not forgotten. Mm-hmm. And, now, oh yeah, by the way, side note, things are released not necessarily in the order that we record them. That's usually up to Ulrich. Anyway, continue, sorry. So, 
for our new viewers or perhaps people that have never watched Gone by Forgotten, why don't you explain what that is, since so, you are the primogenitor of this concept? Yeah, so Gone Forgotten is an idea I came up with early on in the uh, in the podcast life that was just, what's an excuse for us to talk about things that we like in general? Uh, we were already doing something similar with the suggestions, so Gone Forgotten, Forgotten kind of morphed into, all right, what about things that we feel like um, don't get a lot of attention? Generally speaking, they're older things, hence the name, Gone But Not Forgotten, as in something that is from the past, but we have not forgotten it. It's not necessarily limited to that. It's really just anything that we feel like it doesn't get as much attention as it deserves. But it's generally things from our childhood, simply because by the nature of memory and stuff like that. I don't know. Son of Zorn was on the list, and that's relatively recent. Well, that's why I said generally. I <laughs> so. <laughs> so do you want to start or should I start? Uh, sure, I'll start. I, I actually had a hard time thinking of something, especially because one of the things I thought of, I know for a fact I've talked about before. At the same time, I love any excuse to talk about it, but I'm not going to talk about that right just now. <laughs> uh, did you ever play the Oddworld series of games? No. Okay, so Oddworld was an early Xbox uh, exclusive, if I remember correctly. I didn't play the original Oddworld. I, I know about it now, uh, but it was this weird... The original game was like this weird, you're playing as this kind of alien on this, well, odd world that was dealing with like crazy corporate uh, conspiracy kind of stuff. But not the game I actually played. The first odd world game I played was Stranger's Wrath. And the reason I bring it up today is because I recently uh, went and visited my pal Wretched, who's been on the show a number of times. Wretched is a huge cowboy and Western fan in general. He's real obsessed with Red Dead Redemption 2 right now. I'm not a big fan of western aesthetic there are a handful of western movies i really like like you know tombstone the dollars trilogy and stuff like that but generally i'm not a big fan of just that it's odd because i like pirates i don't know so i try to think all right what's what's a western game that i remember and the only one i could really think of is stranger's wrath so since you don't know the odd world games i'm going to tell you straight up stranger's wrath is a game where you play as a uh an old west bounty hunter now you're on this odd world so you're this kind of green monster looking thing that is very obviously modeled after clint eastwood but as an alien and every mission's too strong a word but every section of the game you're given a bounty you're trying to get up a certain amount of money to get some operation or something done it's very vague for a reason and you need a certain amount to make it and so you're getting these uh, these bounties that are dead or alive but you get more money for bringing them in alive. And the stranger, which is the character you're playing, doesn't like guns. Like the very first opening sequence is he takes down this bounty guy who tries to shoot him with a rifle and he breaks the rifle. He's like, I never liked guns. Instead, he has a, a wrist-mounted crossbow and he shoots various living ammo at things. This mostly, sounds vaguely familiar now. Yeah, mostly bugs. Like his standard one is shooting like essentially roly-polies that can turn into electric at people. I don't know what the technical name for a roly-poly is. Uh, Pillbug. Pillbug. All right, sure. But he has Pillbug ammo. But he also gets, like, hornets that are basically a machine gun. <laughs> they fire out the whole hive and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. So Where's the Saturday morning cartoon for this? Because this feels like one of those really good DreamWorks Netflix team-ups. They would have to uh, child-proof it because, as cartoony as it sounds, it was not child-friendly in game form. It's it's actually pretty brutal. <laughs> so, Because like, it sounds like the way they wrote it was just to like, okay, we don't want guns. We want to you know, make this kid-friendly. What if he shoots bugs at people? 
that, 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 that seems like we can get the uh, all ages rating on it. Actually, there the the reason why they do that is a lot more interesting. But I would hate to spoil it because I will spoil this. Something happens roughly sixty percent into the game, sixty five percent of the game, that completely changes the nature of the game entirely. Huh. <laughs> like it basically becomes a different game after a narrative reveal that um. I didn't see coming. Maybe I would have if I played the original Odd World and knew more about this world and its inhabitants. I don't know, but it was really cool and really weird and really shocking to me. And if you're the kind of person who does like westerns and thinks, "Hey, there's not Red Dead Redemption is like the only western game," this is actually a really good pre-Red Dead Redemption western game. Basically, played Alien Clint Eastwood. So. That sounds like a really solid concept for a game or a TV series. I mean, um, just imagine, like, you just make alien versions of all the big, you know, classic Western stars. They kind of did that. Like, every uh, every bounty was, like, a reference to a different movie. It, it seemed like, anyway. It's been a few years since I played it, but I remember, like, you know, catching on to a few of them. So That's really cool. Yeah, and it gets progressively a lot harder to bring them in alive too especially because they have like minions and shit you gotta knock yeah. them unconscious and <laughs> it's just it was really challenging like it's really easy to actually go through and just murder your way through the game but to get the money you need to actually like do it do them alive that's the challenge and it was pretty cool so yeah it always is so i never like games it's like bring them in dead or alive like well dead is typically easier but i guess i can try not to brutally murder them yeah, there were a few bosses near the end that I couldn't bring in alive. I couldn't I couldn't figure out how to do it, so. <laughs> Interesting. No, that sounds like, I feel like you've told me about this before, because the bugs for ammo, that feels like I've heard that before. And that's actually a really cool concept. I like that. Yeah, you look up the, uh, just look up the opening. Literally, Oddworld Stranger's Wrath opening cinematic. And if that doesn't sell you on the game, I don't think that the game is for you then. Like, just watch that opening cinematic. You also, you'll when you watch it, you'll get what I mean about it not necessarily being kid-friendly. I feel like this was aimed more at, like, 12-year-olds. Like, you know, old enough to, you're starting to become a teenager, but young enough that, you know, you can have the kind of wonder yeah, that kind of thing. So that elusive middle ground. Yeah, yeah. But, like, not, not too much younger than that. At least it didn't feel that way when I played it. And I played it when I was, like, uh, 17, so I thought it was just cool. I didn't even own it. I just played it at my friend's house <laughs> all the way through. Oh, well, back in the days and that was a thing you could do. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what, what much else to say about it. Literally, the, the big thing I'd want to talk about is also something I really don't want to spoil. So I'm going to say that um, it's not like Bioshock ending level of a good twist or anything. But because uh, it, it also kind of felt to me like, huh, this is a twist that doesn't that partly doesn't work for me because I don't live in their world, so I don't have the same context they have, but I do get why this is a big deal. And I don't know how to explain it better than that without revealing what it is. So, hmm. All right. I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I have it on uh, Steam. I know it's available on Steam right now, so and I think I got it pretty cheap, too, because it's like the whole Oddworld collection comes in some kind of, you know, pack. Bundle. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm going to check that out after this. All right, so my first one up is Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. I have not heard of this. I don't know what it is. This is an incredible movie, which is on, I believe, Amazon Prime right now. And honestly, you don't need to stop with this podcast real quick and go and watch it and then come back. 
No Seeking joke. a Friend for the End of the World. Yes, it's kind of a mouthful of a title, but it's a really funny, really good movie. And it basically Steve Carell. Huh. Yeah, it's got Steve Carell and Keira Knightley in it. Yeah. Like, this is back right around the time that Steve Carell was leaving the office about to break big, but not uh, now. 2012. Yeah, so he hasn't, he hasn't really become the huge megastar that he is. But the whole concept is, and this is how I've always kind of imagined, it's like there's a meteorite hurtling towards Earth, and the team they sent to stop it has failed. So it's kind of like, what if Armageddon, you know, actually played like Armageddon would? What do you mean you sent a bunch of oil drillers to blow up a meteorite? That's dumb. And that's where the movie starts. It's like, okay, the world's going to be ending in a matter of days. So I'll deal with that. And it's got a bunch of comedians, a bunch of actors. And it's got this great kind of, you know, world building. Like you watch people slowly break down. Like the first real day is like everyone's having wild, crazy orgies and doing all sorts of crazy shit. And it gets progressively darker as, you know, people like, okay, well, line up here for your suicide pills. Yeah, so there's that whole thing going on in the background, including a TGI Fridays where everyone is taking ecstasy. I see some pictures of the TGI Fridays when I Googled this. Uh, I had wondered, like, who would still be going to work <laughs> in that situation. It's a weird, hilarious scene. Like, they stop in just for food and everyone's on ecstasy. Like, do you think we should get out of here? We should totally get out of here. Okay. Um, but basically, the whole story is open with Steve Carell's wife has left him because, okay. you know, end of the world, fuck you. And he meets Kira Knightley, and she just kind of wants a ride, you know, across the country. And he's heading in a direction to meet this, the one that got away, essentially. Mm, all right. And it's all about, the main crux of the story is about them becoming friends and, you know, learning a little bit more about each other. It's this really great, heartfelt relationship. There's lots of, you know, comedians in one there. And it's the juxtaposition of this really great, you know, budding friendship and great comedy with this incredibly dark background stuff. Well, it's one of the most classic uh, what ifs, you know, in, in conversation is the world was ending. What would you do? And someone blew that out to a movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's really good to watch their friendship develop. And then the, they, they, this is, this, it can go either way. They fall in love, which is always kind of thing that bugged me. It's like you had such a good concept. Did you really need to make them fall in love and have a romantic thing? It's this really, it's so good, and I love it so much, and I watched it recently with Slagathor, is it gets to the end. The, you know what the end is. The meteorite hits the world. Everyone dies. But she was so engaging. She, she was like, oh, no, I forgot that they died at the end. It's like, yeah, it's seeking a friend for the end of the world. You, you know, it's one of those movies you know where the ending is coming, but you forget because the story of how you get there is so good. And it really is a story about these two incredibly lonely people finding their best friend right as the world's ending. Well, that's tragic. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really it's a great it's got some hilarious moments. There's some great acting, but it also again is so incredibly tragic because it's like, oh man. Even they kind of you know talk about it's like I wish I had known you. I wish sooner. I wish we had had all this time together instead of just now. As this, this meteorite is hurtling towards us. And I'm sorry, a, I'm sorry. I'm scrolling through the images just to, like, and there's one here uh, that the caption is, and I'm quoting, put some Radiohead on. I want to do heroin to Radiohead. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you've been listening to the podcast this long and you don't know how much I love black comedies, I feel like this is just me broadcasting it to the nth degree is 
again, it's it's really, really good. And again, there's some surprising cameos. Like, it feels like one of those ones that was like a phone tree of friends. Like, hey, do you want to be in this movie for 30 seconds? And like, yeah, sure. What the hell? Yeah, I've seen a few ones with Patton Oswalt, but that's cool. Yeah. No, again, this it's on. That's it, a really good movie. And even though I feel like I, you know, you you know the end, the journey is so worth it. Yeah, I mean that's kind of a classic thing. Yeah. So yeah, no, I love this movie. More people need to see this movie. So this is on Amazon Prime or Hulu yeah, or something. Yeah, Amazon Prime. It's where I watched it most recently. <laughs> and I just have a good thing. What happened to Kira Knightley? Like she just seemed to have disappeared. Yeah, that's a good question. I was just thinking the same thing. Hmm. Because she's got really great uh, comedy chops in this movie. It's like, oh, uh, yeah. She's, she's probably still doing stuff, just stuff that – I had that realization recently. I was I was reading about Alanis Morissette, and I was like, I wonder where she went. She didn't go anywhere. She still puts out albums. Same thing for Britney Spears. You just don't hear about them very much. So. <laughs> I don't know. I just saw this like, wow, you have incredible comedy chops. This is really good. And again, going up against Steve Carell, who had been proven that how funny he was. Yeah. I don't know, this, again, if you're a Steve Carell fan, this is a great combination of both his dramatic abilities and his comedy abilities. And when I, I say it's funny, it is legitimately funny. I know as dark a concept of a movie as it is, it has some really good laughs, especially the TGI Fridays scene, because, yeah. It's funny, I feel like, and I don't know how to phrase this properly, I feel like it's not necessarily a dark concept. I feel like it's just a very good, simple concept. Again, it's it's the most classic what if conversation blown out to a movie you've created a scenario then explore what the scenario means now it sounds like from your description that that exploration is through the lens of two very specific people that still sounds like a very what's the almost sci-fi kind of concept right you take one idea and then you blow a whole movie around it so yeah like one of my favorite running jokes is the news broadcaster keeps broadcasting until the final moment and they get perpetually more disheveled huh and it's this great kind of, you know, it's a ticking clock reminder. It's just like, like when they start the movie, they're still professional. And at the end, they're kind of disheveled. And they're kind of like, well, this is it, folks. Thank you for listening. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine how things would actually go. But it, I think that sounds like the proper progression. You start off with the crazy parties and doing anything to, you know, anything that you've ever wanted to do but didn't because of consequences. Well, now there ain't going to be no consequences. But eventually you're going to get tired, you know. <laughs> <laughs> then you're just gonna have to just uh just uh, experience the end I don't yeah know. Well, especially because that's the kind of thing it's like this isn't this isn't like it sounds like to me if an asteroid's coming it's like no this is there's a hundred percent that we are all gonna go bunkers ain't gonna save you we're not gonna have a fallout situation here everyone's gonna die <laughs> oh yeah they make it very clear in the beginning because it opens with you know watching the news footage of the failed you know interception and it's like well this is it folks like, it makes it very clear. Like, there's no getting out of this. This is what's going to happen. And that's and one of those just... things where it's, you got to have a little suspension of disbelief, which I have no problem with, because that's one of those things where, like, I can, off the top of my head, knowing the technology we have now, think of many other backups and things that governments would be doing. But that's not what this movie's interested in. The movie's like, all right, we just set this up right at the beginning to create our situation, and then we're going to explore the situation through two regular people, right? So... I'm sorry, I was, I was just getting ahead of, like, anyone who might nitpick and be like, oh, that's dumb. Why aren't people doing more things? Like, yeah, of course, in reality, there's more things you could do after just sending up one crew. But that's that's not what this movie's about. So yeah, you, You're missing the point of the movie. Anyway, I mean, it sounds interesting enough. It doesn't sound the kind of thing I might seek out on my own because of the depressingness. But uh, if I had a friend 
to watch it with, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great one for watching your friend with because again, the whole seeking your friend for the end of the world and kind of like good thing I have a friend because like the whole thing is he, you know, the hammer home. He was such an incredibly lonely guy. And I don't know. I, I really love this movie. It's one of those ones I watched forever ago, and I really liked. And I watched, saw it. And I'm like, oh man, I really hope this is still good. It's always great when you can go back to something you you feel is good and it and holds up. It's always a risk, but I, yeah, I, uh, there's been plenty. It's like, oh, you are not good at all. Poor. Well, that's why there are a handful of things I will not go back and rewatch. I know for a fact if I go back and watch The Warriors of Virtue, it's gonna suck. So I'm like, no, so keep those childhood memories. So I don't know. That could be fun. <laughs> anyway <laughs> my next uh thing to talk about is another game and it's actually the very first pc game i ever played it's a franchise i think you've heard of it uh heroes of might and magic i think you've talked about like one of the heroes of might and magic on this podcast at one point i probably have like i said i we've done we've been doing this for uh, two and a half years, and I can't remember all the things that I've gone but not forgotten, and I didn't, honestly, I didn't go back and check, so I don't know what to tell you. So, <laughs> but Here's My Magic is uh, when I was six, maybe a little older, maybe like eight or something like that, I used to go over to my, my Uncle Jim's house, and he had uh, he had the computer, and he had the mouse, where they had like the, the ball like in the mouse that you move with your thumb and stuff. I remember it being huge, because I was, you know, I was tiny. And the game that he had was Heroes of My Magic 3, which is also the best one, apparently. I mean, I've only played, uh, well, I played 3, 4, 5, and 6. I haven't actually played 1 and 2, so I can't say. But from what I can tell online, everyone kind of agrees that 3 is the best one. So, what Heroes of My Magic is is a turn-based strategy game. Think something like Civilization, but not. <laughs> it's its own very unique game. Because I played, I don't remember which one I played, but I played one of them at some point. I'm trying to think what can best, there's been a couple clones of it. That's the thing, it's like, it kind of really created its own subsection of turn-based strategy game. Because here's what's going on, right? You know, like, for anyone listening, you know how if you've played Civ but not played this in Civ, right? You're you're creating like multiple. Uh, you're creating your city. You might create more cities. You you're building up those cities. You send out like scouts and military units that interact with the other cities. A lot of that is the same, except just how it goes about it. So like in Heroes of My Magic, for instance, you start off with your one city that's not very well or it's very small, and you've got a hero. You can have a certain amount of heroes, and that hero is a general. So you can build up an army for your general. And what that means is when you go out to explore, not just dealing with other factions and their heroes, but also tons of world environment stuff. That was actually usually the best part. You would engage with them. Uh, you could make decisions. Uh, certain skills would interact with them. Like if you had diplomacy, you can convince roving bands of monsters to join you just because. But if you had to go into battle... The, the way that fighting was done was actually basically a, a like a checkerboard system. So you would this, – uh, this map would show up where your army would be on one side and their army on the other. But how your army is displayed is not like in an RTS. Instead, say, say I'm playing the Necropolis, which is all about undead, and I've got a hundred skeletons. It doesn't actually show a hundred skeletons. It shows one skeleton with a number 100 beneath it. And when that skeleton attacks something, it's attacking with the force of a hundred skeletons, which each do like one or two damage or something like that. And as they get hit, certain amounts of them die. Like if I got hit and if 30 skeletons die, it would drop down to 70. And making that unit, quote unquote, 
weaker by essentially reducing the number of of individuals within said unit. So you'd have like eight units on the board, I think. Again, that's kind of like it's all abstracted. I mean, in a late game, you could have tens of thousands of monsters or soldiers or whatever you want to call, but they're still displayed as eight units on on the the grid. Anyway. It- it's a very popular genre. I've seen a couple, and I know that this game has had its highs and lows and gone back and forth between being really good and being horrible to the point that I have lost track of which ones are the good ones and which ones are the bad ones. Uh, that's kind of why I gave up at 6, but 6 also forced me to download, uh, I don't know, whatever company owns it now, their thing, and it basically didn't run at all. It was terrible. 5 is actually fine. I like 5 well enough, but... What's great about three is that three is an exercise in how to break it. <laughs> no matter what faction you choose, there is some way to break the game. Example, I mentioned Necropolis. Well, all the heroes in Necropolis have an ability called Necromancy, obviously. But it means that when they defeat a army or a band of monsters or whatever in battle, they resurrect a certain number of them as skeletons, but just regular skeletons, the, the first level monster. And then we keep on, there's there's like seven levels of monster. So a level one monster is like a skeleton. A level seven monster is like a skeleton dragon, which you could even upgrade to a ghost dragon. So take a look at an eighth level or seven B or something like that. It's, the terminology is not important. Point is, yes, you're getting units every battle, but they're the weakest units you can get. So they're just cannon fodder, right? But... There is a certain set of gear you can get because it has like an almost Diablo-esque gear system where uh, your here your general can get like a chest piece and a head piece and, and they affect how the how the army functions and how the general functions. And if you get a certain set of it, then it changes from raising skeletons to raising liches, which are a level five monster, which are ranged and shoot clouds of death. So you can have like Normally, a high-level game, you might have like 50 to 100 of these things, and suddenly you could have tens of thousands. And that's just I how... remember one of the biggest things that stuck with me is the art design in this game was top-notch for the time in that everybody had unique assets, all their factions. And there was like that's great eight or nine factions. Yeah, I mean, I find that uh, RTSs and fighting games and strategy games and things like that, for me, live and die on... Uh, not their mechanics necessarily, but on the variety of things you can be. That's actually yes. why um, it's... I think it's interesting that StarCraft kind of dominates the world in RTS when it's like... It's because it represents the three archetypes, but that's it's just the basic three. Compare that to like Dawn of War with its seven pretty drastically different. And anyway, I just like any chance to praise Dawn of War. So, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good solid game and unfortunately it died an inglorious death, but... I would say it's not dead because Apocalypse is awesome. But anyway, um, so here's what my magic has. It's got your your basic human faction, but even the human faction gets some... You get like griffins and you get angels at the end. Uh, you got your opposite of that is your demonic uh, faction where you get imps and hellhounds and uh, imp lords, or pit lords, I think they're called, and uh, devils at the end. It's all fire and stuff. Oh, they also have genies for some reason. So they're called Ifriti, but there's your classic Tolkien one with elves, dwarves, trance, and a green dragon at the end. There's the kind of eldritch version of that, where you've got your beholders and troglodytes and minotaurs, 
and a black dragon. There's Necropolis, which I've already talked about. It's all undead vampires and liches and stuff. There's your, um, I don't know how to say this. Let's go with barbarian one. Yeah, it's, I thought they were. Yeah, well, it's like orcs and goblins and behemoths and rooks. And when I say rooks, I mean like the big ass bird. So yeah. there's, uh, I don't know how to phrase this one, the mythology one. The mythology one has uh, gnomes and uh, gremlins, and it ends up having colossi that turn into titans in it. It also has like gargoyles and shit. And then the there's two more. Uh, there's the animal one, which has gnolls and lizard men, and its high-end unit is like a hydra. It's also got basilisks and stuff. And the last one is the elemental one, where you literally, it's, all right, you got pixies as your starting one, but then you get a fire elemental, a water elemental, a air elemental, and then at the end you get phoenixes. It was a really good game. It's one of the first games I remember having one more turn syndrome. Yeah, I see the problem with that is that a single turn in Heroes of Magic can take you like 20 minutes, even 30 minutes. Yep. <laughs> so playing in multiplayer literally can become a, I come home, I do my turn, I leave. <laughs> yeah, I, I just remember, I think I remember which one it was. I just remember playing this game and just going, I had to send you here, send you here, and build this, and now I got to jump in this dungeon. It's like, okay, we're good. We're done. Or I could go one more turn and go see what's in that iron mine. Oh, boy, and then just all over again. See, like I said, that was my favorite part, not actually fighting the other faction, just exploring the world. There might be like, hey, look, there's a gold mine. I need some gold. You go in, boom, liches attacking you. Or it might be like, hey, there's a weird chapel with, like, clouds around it oh it turns out it's filled with storm giants and and oh they want to talk okay so yeah because i never lasted long like somebody always came along and destroyed my kingdom was like yeah cool whatever uh let's start another game and explore some new area yeah pretty much it what one more way to break the game if you play the uh the the demonic faction there's a spell you can get called armageddon which rains literal fire and meteors and stuff and does damage to every single thing on the board, your or uh, your units and enemy units. But if Freeti are immune to it, so what you would do is make a general army with just two of them, just enough to basically maintain your army. Then you just send them to your enemy and just cast Armageddon like twice, and it just softens them up so much that then you can bring in your proper army to sweep them up no it was, a, it was a really good game and again there's a reason it's been copied over from so many like it's a very popular formula like i can think of at least a dozen games that have kind of done the combat style and similar but it it i mean, i've yet to find one with a similar appeal well i also feel like from my understanding uh heroes of magic 6 was such a not good and then seven came out. And it looks like in what twenty fifteen or something like that. And I mean, that's only five years ago. But I haven't heard anyone say anything about seven in the community, like ever. <laughs> so I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, and I guess it's for the best because, like we've talked about, you know, I, I could go back and play whatever one I played and go, oh. This is not held up at all. Yeah, just play three. Three does hold up. Three is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> also, funny thing about three, uh, this was back in the time where like all games had cheat codes. So three oh, had yeah, yeah. cheat codes. Yeah. So three had cheat codes and all of them were matrix references. <laughs> nice. So example, uh, you wanna see 
or you want there to be like all your spells unlocked, you would press enter, type NWC. I don't know what the NWC stood for, but NWC, and then type there is no spoon. Or you wanted to fill your army with a bunch of angels, NWC Trinity. <laughs> uh, or instead, if you want to fill it with a bunch of uh, dark knights, which is a necropolis, um, then you do NWC agents. So, yeah, they're all matrix yeah. references. For those of you who aren't old enough to remember cheats and that whatnot, today you know them as mods. <laughs> Kinda. Uh, it is weird that we don't really see cheat codes the same way. It's because games, like in general, that's a whole conversation. I think that's a whole episode on its own right there. But yeah, uh, yeah. I loved games that made it so that like cheat codes were something that you got from doing something special. Like in Ratchet and Clank, if you get skill points. You just could unlock weird cheats like, oh, Ratchet has a huge head now. That wasn't really a cheat, but that was like what mods used to be. But then you go back even farther, and yeah, you get things like, here's my magic or It's literally just, all right, here's how you – suddenly I my army is all archangels, and that way I don't have to worry about dying while I build up my actual army I want. <laughs> so Simpler times. It's how I played – I was never any good at RTSs. I feel like I'm, I'm getting better at them just because I'm playing a lot of Dawn of War. But when I was younger and I played StarCraft One. Bet your ass I used uh, Operation Seawall or whatever you pronounce that to uh, to, to make my buildings go faster. Oh, gee, StarCraft is hard as hell. Like I went, I've gone back and played the remaster. It's like, Jesus, this is a lot harder than I remember. Yeah, and I still remember it was Operation Seawall and Black Sheep Wall to, to make the, uh, the, the, the map all open. And yep. um, Power, Power Overwhelming was the just, just win, essentially. Yep, just, you know, get the fuck off my lawn. Yeah, yeah, there. I'm good. Here's my magic. I, I, I know that uh, four and five, which eh, don't worry about four. I know five's pretty good. I don't know where three's available. I know five's available on Steam. That's where I have it right now. So there you go. All right. So I'm going to talk about a movie that was not appreciated in its time and makes me sad. And that is A Team. The A Team movie? I just saw you yes. were A Team. I thought you were talking about the show. But all right. See, I don't feel like the show qualifies as being forgotten because, I don't know, A-Team is a staple. Like, everyone in the 80s knows it and grew up on it. Kids of the 90s know it because we got it in, you know, reruns and Mr. T was in everything. I'm talking about the movie, which it makes me sad that it was such a bomb and it feels like everyone hated it. I mean, I didn't see it, so I uh, I can't t- I can't say. I see that it's got Liam Neeson and Bradley Cooper in it. That's cool. It has Liam Neeson playing Hannibal, Bradley Cooper playing Face, Quentin Jackson playing B.A. Baracus, Dorito Copley playing Howling Mad Murdoch. Now, you may not know the last guy, because... Are you sure that's Sherito? I think I I got the names mixed up. So it looks to me like Sherito Copley is... Howling Mad Murdoch. Oh, he is? Okay, never mind. I was looking at... Yeah, yeah, all right. Go on. Uh, he's best known for always playing batshit crazy characters. Like, if you look at his IMDb list, it's mostly playing really crazy goofball characters. And he does it perfectly. The casting in this movie is spot on. But for those of you who don't know what A-Team is, I, I pity you. <laughs> Basically, they are a special forces team that got blacklisted and being hunted by the government. And if you can find them and if you can afford them, they will help you out. And this movie kind of serves as a whole origin story to the A-Team. It updates it. It moves them to, you know, the war in the Middle East. They get screwed over, and they're on the run, and they're out to clear their names. And at one point in the movie, this, you know, sell it to you the biggest point, they launch a tank out of an airplane and fire its gun to direct themselves. 
Yeah, that sounds like some uh, late, uh, late sequel Fast and the Furious nonsense there. They shoot down a drone with the machine gun on the tank. The tank lands in the water, and then they drive it out, waving happily. I'm not going to question the physics there. <laughs> I remember seeing that in the trailer. It is such an insane, over-the-top movie. It is, and I feel like its biggest problem is it is a late-stage Fast and the Furious movie without the, you know, seething hatred underneath. <laughs> and nobody saw it. But it is a quintessential blockbuster action film. I saw it in theaters. I loved it because I was an A-Team fan. And if you are an I, I, I don't know how else to pitch this, but it is just huge and bombastic and fun. And the casting is perfect if you've watched the old a-team movie then casting bradley cooper as face you know the suave con man that's that, that's perfect casting it's funny that i can hear in your voice you sound like uh like a child with his toys like very excited yeah because that's what it is uh, there's i mean they have so many great references they explain why uh, ba hates flying why is he why, flying because um when they're uh, Face recruits him to help him get rescued, and Murdoch steals a helicopter and then drops a AC unit on BA's van. <laughs> okay. Which hurt me so much because it's the original A team van, the black with the red stripes. I'm like, no, you can't do that. And but there are probably some viewers who were kind of pissed off about that. <laughs> oh yeah, and I mean they're they're playing homages to the original characters. The guy playing BA, I mean he's not Mr. T. So they don't try and make him Mr. T, but he's doing a great job. And in the end, there's cameos from the original cast for everyone except Mr. T, who has the best reason. The reason Mr. T wasn't in this movie is because they didn't want to pay for a full appearance, and Mr. T doesn't do cameos. All right. That sounds pretty... You know what? I'm just going to not. Sure. Don't go messing with Mr. T. He will bust through a wall and kick your ass. I didn't say anything. (laughs) You can sense it. And it is ironic because... Even on the whole, you know, Cameo app, I don't know if you know what that is, but Mr. T is not on Cameo app because, again, Mr. T does not do Cameos. I pity the fool who tries to step to Club of Lang. <laughs> I don't know. This movie, it's dumb. If you like the Fast and Furious movies, this is, it's the same same general feel, and this movie should have done better, but for whatever reason, the summer it came out, it just bombed. What year did it come out? 2010. 2010. I don't remember... It's weird because I feel like my my knowledge of movies is so segmented. But it's like I know Avengers is twenty twelve because I saw that so often. Uh, twenty I know the Iron Man was two thousand eight because I got an argument with someone once about about that. So it's, it's like I'm gauging it based on the Marvel movies, but it's just that you know those were the touchstones. So I'm trying to think, what yeah. was two thousand ten? I don't even know what came out in two thousand ten. Two thousand ten had a lot of really good movies that people forgot about. Uh, Prince of Persia's in there. Uh-huh. Pinch Push is okay, but go on. Okay, yeah. And I mean, if you like A-Team, if you like straight-up action, you're going to enjoy this. I've watched this a couple times since. It is still just general, good, chaotic, fun mayhem. And I, I feel like if they'd waited a little bit longer and they'd waited for Fast and Furious to become what Fast and Furious is now, this would have been like Hobbs and Shaw and that whole general. It's like, no, no, this is this is, this is cool. We're, we're here for this. Well, you know, we'll probably see another one for too long. We had that Charlie's Angels movie uh, this last year, so. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really enjoy it, and I was just thinking about it. Like, why don't more people know about this? And then I looked it up, and it bombed. I'm like, oh, well, that explains the empty theater I was in. <laughs> yeah. 
But that, but a movie bombing is not always a sign of uh, of quality. I mean, not enough people went and saw Godzilla apparently, and they were wrong. So yeah, you fools, <laughs> blind, blind fools, missing out on the awesomeness that is Godzilla. So where where is this available now? Since you're recommending it, I own it on DVD, so I don't know where you can pick it up. But this wow. sits probably in my DVD collection, and oh, I might watch it tonight just because I'm thinking about it. All right, well, I'm gonna. Song. All right, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do another one. I'll keep this one quick because I am pretty sure. I am like three nines sure. I've talked about this on the show before. Uh, when I was young, my uh, yeah, I watched some MTV, and MTV was just kind of transitioning out of what it used to be and into what it is now. But it still played. It would play shows that incorporated music, and the one that stuck out to me was called The Young Ones. And do you remember me telling you about this, Orc? Maybe. Okay, The Young Ones was a, oh man, I don't even know how, let's just say dirty. It was a dirty British youth comedy rock show thing. It was, it, like I said, it was very, very British. It's only like, a, it's only one season long. I think maybe two seasons. I don't know. I had the whole thing on DVD for a while. And it's only like two discs. So that happens with British shows a lot. But the story is about four college age people. <laughs> uh, Neil, uh, Mike, Vivian and Rick and they are all uh terrible absolutely terrible <laughs> I love them but they're all different shades of 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 bad kind of person basically so you've got uh Rick is our main character played by Rick Mail uh oddly enough like I remember years later seeing Drop Dead Fred and which is like eh all right but I like Rick Mail so he plays the uh the snooty kind of like political he's always thrashing on margaret thatcher and getting way uh, you know up his own ass about you know events and stuff you've got mike is the smooth talker and easily like the the most put together one he's uh oh and also they all of course have their you know their college things like rick is a political science guy mike is i think he was a business major generally like he's all about scams and kind of stuff think of, like like a grown-up Eddie from Ed and Eddie, if he was able to keep his shit together. Uh, <laughs> Neil is a hippie, and I don't remember if he actually ever said what he was going to school for, but he is a total hippie. Uh, he speaks in the "Hey man," like think like the Bob like, Dylan, uh, more like Ozzy, but more. So, <sighs> and and then last and easily best is Vivian. Vivian is the punk, like underground punk rock. Like he has. Five metal stars studded into his forehead. Yep, yep. I remember and, this now. I, I I think I know which episode you talked about this on. Yeah, and he's the med student, <laughs> which it always made me laugh. So the reason why I think it was appropriate for MTV was because every episode in the midpoint, they would cut away to some musical act, just any musical act, to basically do a a quick live bit, kind of like they do on uh, on talk shows nowadays, you know? yeah. Um, maybe I shouldn't say nowadays. I think the talk shows have always done something like that. But they do something like that. Like uh, in episode one, they had Nine Below Zero, a band which apparently didn't go anywhere after that. But in like episode three or four, they had Dexy's Midnight Runners. That was pretty cool. Uh, Motorheads in one of the episodes. And oddly enough, if you go back, I, I, I think the reason I got tuned on to the young ones actually was just because they were mentioned in um, 
one of Metallica's albums, they like thank them is among many other things, like in the the thank you if you read the little pamphlet. So <laughs> back in the days when we had pamphlets with our CDs, back when we had yeah. CDs. <laughs> yeah, but the point is, the Young Ones is this ridiculous, very British, very weird show. And I say weird, I mean like in episode one, they at one point cut away these two mice that are speaking in like like a Monty Python esque banter, talking about like. <laughs> Like uh, pants and what? Like they do this joke where they're they're talking about like uh, you know Euripides, the 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 poet. And they're like, um, knock knock, who's there? Euripides, Euripides who? Euripides trousers, Eumenides trousers. I didn't get that for years, so I couldn't understand what they were saying. But it was still <laughs> funny for some reason. So, and they use like weird puppets. And there's this one guy who's like always around, but he's a different person. You're like you know how in Pokemon all the nurse joys look exactly the same so they're supposedly all the same family young ones did the same thing but with a live action person they just put this actor in he was always part of the same like you, um i think it was supposed to be a russian family i'm not sure but it was always just some other member of it and he was always some weird like really weird thing I, let me put it this way if you like monty python or something like black adder i mean generally speaking i think if you're in a british television in general and especially if you're into like you know, that kind of like anarcho-punk kind of aesthetic, and you haven't given the young ones a shot, like, it's hilarious, ridiculous, and surreal as hell. I have no idea where it's available right now, but if you can find it, I recommend it. All right. No, I, I remember, like, when you started describing, like, okay, I know he's talked about this before. I even know which episode he talked about before, but I'm not going to tell you. You have to go back and listen to them all. <laughs> there's, there's one joke in episode one that still sticks with me today where they're, um... The, the plot of episode one is that their house is considered a, like, public hazard by the city, so it's going to be destroyed. And they're all trying to figure – they all react to it differently, right? Like, Rick is des- – like, Rick starts doing the – I'm going to chain myself to it so that the fascists can't stop me. Neil's just, like, wailing in desperation. Mike's trying to, like – hit on the the people who do the paperwork trying to get them you know to get through it and vivian just decides if they're gonna destroy the house i'm gonna do it first and so he just starts wrecking the house like kicking out the stair banisters and just bashing his head through the walls it's already hilarious then right at the end it's the next morning the 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 bulldozers come and vivian sticks his head out the window and goes no i haven't done just got done destroying it yet and he bites into this brick and the brick just <laughs> explodes <laughs> and he goes some of these bricks explode what the hell is going on it's insane and it's wonderful and i love it <laughs> yeah i feel like that's uh that summarizes this week this episode is it's insane and weird and i love it yeah so anyway there's mine you got one more for us uh, let's check our time real quick, see if we've got time for one more. Make it quick. I don't want to make it quick, so I'll save this one All for All right, you. let's move on to suggestions. We'll do your... We'll, so I, I'm now ahead of you. I did three. You did two. We'll have to even that out next time. <laughs> so. All right. So suggestions of the week. I'm going to go ahead and kick this off because it feels very fitting for weird and surreal, and I love it, is a new show on Amazon Prime called Upload. Have you heard of this one at all? No, I haven't. I just saw Upload. My brain went instantly to Upgrade, which I loved. But you, You'd also probably like Upload. Um, so here's the premise. In the not-too-distant future, we have an option of when you're about to die. I passed have, over this. Sorry. sorry. you got to watch this. You can have your consciousness uploaded and put into a cloud, I guess. It's, dude, it's, it's San Junipero from Black Mirror is the premise. Yes, but go there on. it is. Thank you. 
That is exactly what it is. And, of course, it's also a satire because all of these quote-unquote paradises are owned by various corporations. And the very best one is owned by Horizon, not the other one with the V because I don't think they would... They they clearly imply that that is the company that works because if you're poor, you have data points that you, you know spend for everything. Right. Anyway, the whole premise is it opens with this guy who's on the verge of creating a new technology that will make this afterlife free for everybody. It won't just be the rich people get the nice afterlife. Everybody gets the nice afterlife. And then he has a car crash. I mean, that's kind of a classic, like, uh, in time kind of thing. Let's do the... Anyway, continue. Yeah, so there's a mystery element going through, but because his girlfriend is rich, she puts him in the super nice, you know, paradise. Fancy one. Yeah. Yes, but the best part is, even though it's super nice and altering, it is still incredibly flawed and kind of has all these little glitches and problems with it. What if the Matrix sucked? <laughs> that, that's exactly, yeah. Or what if San Junipero sucked? Because that is the premise, because it's kind of a satire. It's like, yeah, of course, you know, this sounds great, but yep. it's being run by corporations. It's and they're really funny to say them. that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just saying it's really funny to say that, considering that Black Mirror tends to be very overt about taking its shots at corporations and technology. But San Junipero happens to be like one of what three episodes total. that's actually really, really positive and optimistic and doesn't be like, Oh, technology is going to fuck us over. It's actually like, Hey, here's one of the good thing about technology. And then here comes this thing uploads. Like, all right, let's take one of the positive and one of the best episodes of black mirror. And let's make it more like a black mirror episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still a comedy. It's, it's got really, but it's got this kind of, you know, very broad, uh aggressive satire like all the food is 3d printed unless you know you're one of the fancy people and even in this paradise there are pop-up ads there are microtransactions i hate that word it's a dirty word here (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's hilarious because it's like and it kind of maybe it has this you know there's a great ongoing mystery um there is a love triangle and those of you who's listened to this long enough know how i feel about love triangles I think that they can be done well, and I think Ulrich doesn't disagree with me, but it's a lot harder for Ulrich to get behind them. This one really walks the line of does it need it or not. But it's really funny, and like it just kind of keeps going like this is paradise. It should be wonderful. But, By the way, you know, way, Ulrich, as a side it, note, do you have a love triangle that you can point to as an example of how you do it right? Not off the top of my head. There's your homework for next time. I want one that you think it actually <laughs> does work. Anyway, continue. And I mean, there's like great little things like, uh, why can't we taste anything? Why can't we taste salty or sweet? Oh, that that's not in the patch yet. <laughs> and that they make jokes like, you know, wait, why do we have to go to the bathroom? Because the first people they didn't, they didn't have to go to the bathroom and they were killing each other within the first day. What? What? It's, it's weird little things like ask like, okay, how much real life do you need in your uh, afterlife? And it kind of has this great thing of what we think heaven could be or paradise could be. And ask the question, could mankind create paradise? Or would we constantly be going, it's good, but it's missing one thing more? Well, I think, yeah, definitely. Because the idea of perfection is unattainable, I think. Well, perfection is very subjective. But I feel like on a, on a grand scheme, when you're looking at people as a whole, perfection is a very important ideal to constantly be striving towards, not something you actually achieve, but that's a whole philosophical. So yeah, that's the whole philosophical underpinning. There's a great ongoing mystery. And then on the very surface, there's biting satire that basically screams, 
boy, doesn't capitalism ruin everything? Uh, and, I've been seeing a trust, lot of those memes <laughs> lately. Yeah, and trust me, the irony is not lost. This is on Amazon. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I really appreciate the irony. Like this show is on Amazon, and it's all about greedy corporations screwing everybody over for profit. Wow. Well, uh, even my in show. Or my suggestion is also a show on Amazon, and since I, the only reason I'm not watching Upload right now is probably because I'm watching this, I'm watching The Tick. Uh, I had watched season one when it came out a while back, and I just started season two, like, a while ago, just, you know, like, a week ago, because I had nothing better to do. And it's funny, not, I didn't mean to cut you off, I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, that was all I had to say. Alright, but it's funny because I feel like The Tick's one of those things that everyone should know about, but then I think about it objectively, and... It's actually a pretty niche thing comparatively, right? Like, it had that original... Th- so, for anyone who doesn't know, which is weird for me to say, but I'm sure you actually exist, uh, The Tick was, I think, originally the live-action show, right? I think that, that was it first, wasn't it? Or no, was it a comic first? It was you a know? comic, then it was a live-action, then it was a yeah. cartoon. Okay, so it was comic first, then a live-action show with Patrick Warburton as The Tick, then a cartoon, which is really good, and now we've got this uh, Amazon Prime original show with uh, Peter Sikofowitz. I can't pronounce his last name. Um, now, here's the thing about The Tick, for anyone listening, because you might be hearing, like, oh, I mean, it's literally the second most vile creature on the planet, only beaten by the mindless murder jellyfish. Anyway, uh, so The Tick is a superhero that is um, Deadpool-like, kind of. But, kind of. It's, but it, also, it's... he's he's like if Deadpool was completely sincere. Yes. What I mean by that is he has that same kind of uh, fourth wall breaking, weird kind of meta humor thing going on. But whereas Deadpool's way of doing it is all about uh, you know irony and sarcasm and stuff like that, the Tick is completely and one hundred percent sincere about being the best superhero he can be, which makes him corny as hell. <laughs> Well, he's kind of a parody of Superman in that he has all the powers and is nigh indestructible. Yeah, and he's also a moron, but he's a great moron. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's the reverse, because it came out in the 90s, and it's kind of the reverse of the whole, what Deadpool became of, you know, poking fun at the greediness. This was kind of like, okay, cool, but what if we had fun? Remember yeah. fun? And this and this new, new quote-unquote, tick show, this one that's on Amazon Prime, it, it, it's a little less goofy than the, the cartoon in the original live action. It's actually a little more serious, like telling a, a story. Uh, and, and the tick does far less, like, fourth wall breaking. But uh, it's still hilarious. And if anything, it's just great to hear this character go off on these weird tangents about, about destiny calling and <laughs> how it starts off as a whisper. And then eventually you, you can't deny the call of destiny. And it's just so ridiculous and over the top and wonderful. And, and of course, his sidekick is this guy, Arthur, whose superhero name is Arthur, who's yep. who's dressed like a moth, although it kind of looks like a rabbit, and they make the joke several times. Yep. And he, he's just a regular guy. He's just a dude. He found the costume in a briefcase. Well, that's the original story. The oh, new that's the original. Series, all, there's a whole other thing going right. on. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's hilarious. And also, I was thinking, as I was watching this season, because there's a character, I actually, because I didn't, I watched the live-action one when I was very young, so I don't remember very well. I saw a few episodes of the cartoon, so I remember very well. So my technology is actually very low. I don't know if Superion is a character that's always been in the Tick, but... Doesn't sound familiar. 
Yeah, but Superion is the Tick's version of Superman. It's straight up. He's an alien. He's been on the planet for about 100 years. He doesn't age. He's all-powerful. He can fly around. Heat ray vision. He's just the superhero, right? And season two is all about how does Superion handle when the world's popular opinion turns against him? Like, <laughs> not, not even a government or anything. Just, like, people thumbs-downing him on Facebook. And he's... He's been on the planet for over a century, and he's used to constant validation and love, and now this happens because of a thing that happened at the end of season one, and he can't fucking handle it. And all I could think watching is, man, I really like the deconstruction of Superman and the boys, but I like this way more. Yeah. No. One thing I know about this show that, again, should motivate you to watch it is, according to the actor that played the tick, he was in agony wearing that suit. Oh, really? Yeah, like, it was just, he said it was hell. Well, he's hilarious in it, so, you know. Yeah, and he had to follow Patrick Warburton, which Patrick Warburton is also a great tick, if you haven't watched the original. Yeah, but but the new tick is is wonderful, and, and he's not the only funny thing. Like, there's a bunch of, there's a Miss Lint, who I'm pretty sure is an original, like, a, a, not an original of the show, but like a, an old tick character, who's basically just, like, static shock, but as a, a crazy henchwoman who's just tired of everyone's shit and she's called miss lint because her static powers mean that stuff just gets stuck to her all the time that sounds <laughs> right <laughs> yeah she's hilarious oh and in season one if you haven't seen any of this season one the main villain the terror played by jackie earl haley that should get your ass in the seat right there just saying I mean, come on, we're all trapped inside, hiding from the murder hornets, and nothing else to do. We've given yeah. you nothing but great things to watch and ways to watch them. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's the end of my suggestion. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things, especially the sharing, because without your shares, no one will find us. And without people finding us, then we'll end up on someone's list of, you remember that podcast, Geeks with Shields? Boy, they were great. <laughs> Whatever happened to them? And uh, speaking of finding us... You, you the one listening, you found us, and that means you must have found us on either SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Maybe there are some other places you could find us in the future. We don't know. Maybe if you tell us what those places you're going to look are, then we can look into those. Just saying. Yeah, like, uh, I just found out this week we're being broadcast on a weird Russian website. We are? Yeah. Uh, we, I don't we, know. Didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't say yes to that for anyone questioning yeah i don't know anything about it i tried google translate it just made more russian I'm like i'm going to back out of here and appreciate your views yeah that sounds like a dangerous place to be in or <laughs> <laughs> and if I you're don't... currently listening to us in russian first of all thank you uh i don't know what to say <laughs> not gonna try butchering any russian as always this has been lord commander ulrich in a shield brother axel wright be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.